That's the great irony about it is that I feel like I've been in wonder hell at every step of the process. Somebody asked me last week, like, how's book launch going? And I'm like, I'm in wonder hell about wonder hell. Like it's so hard and I'm so sick and I'm so tired and I'm just, but it's, I can't believe anybody wants to talk to me about this for even 14 seconds. And oh my God, an order just came in for 300 books and wow. And it just, <laughs> the joy and the anxiety and the excitement and the fear and the promise and the uncertainty and all of it and like tsunami coming at you every all day, every day. It's, it's wonder hell. Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Have you ever had something wonderful happen or have an amazing opportunity come to you? And just at the moment that you think you should be feeling like you're on top of the world, you feel absolutely messed up, right? Confused, stressed, scared, self-doubting. Well, that feeling is actually very common and one that I think every successful person has wrestles with that feeling from time to time. And our guest today, Laura Gassner-Odding, is going to share with us about this experience. And this is the experience that she writes about in her recent book, Wonder Hell, Why Success Doesn't Feel Like It Should and What to Do About It. Now, Laura is a frequent contributor to Good Morning America, The Today Show, Harvard Business Review, and Oprah Daily. Her 30-year resume is defined by her entrepreneurial edge. She served as a presidential appointee in Bill Clinton's White House, helping to shape AmeriCorps. And she left a leadership role at a respected national search firm to expand a tech startup and founded, ran, and ultimately sold her own global search firm, partnering with the full gamut of mission-driven corporate and nonprofit executives. Laura's also the author of an earlier book called Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life. And this really speaks to Laura's secret superpower, which is seeing your greatness and reflecting it back on you so that you can get unstuck and achieve extraordinary results. And today we are going to unpack and explore this idea of wonder hell. And Laura's going to share some great insights in ways that we can deal with it. Enjoy. So, Laura, welcome to the Author's Corner. I'm so glad to be here, Robin. Well, I'm so delighted to have you. And as we were talking just a little bit before, um, I'm really excited to hear your story. Um, <laughs> and 
you know, um, ironically, if you if if you if we might call it even ironically, one of my favorite first questions is, what was the impetus for you to write your most recent book, Wonder Hell? So I was on an airplane and I was on the way back from giving a keynote speech. Uh, it was probably the third or fourth keynote speech I'd ever given in my life. I was one of the opening speakers for Malala, like Malala. Oh, wow. Malala. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I know that already sounds like a crazy story, but preface this by saying I had like a 20 year career in White House politics in executive search at the highest, highest, highest level. So like I had a real career and then sold that business to the women who helped me build it. I had this crisis of identity when I was like, I don't know who I am when I'm no longer LGOC. Here's my business card. And I bought a website, lowergastneradding.com, because I'm super clever. And I started blogging about some things. One of the things I blogged about was something that was making me crazy in the world about how we're not solving big problems. And one of the producers of TEDx Cambridge saw that blog post and said, we'd love for you to give a TEDx talk. And I said, no way. I've never spoken in public. I don't want to speak in public. That's terrifying. Thank you so much. My kids overhear me saying that and say, don't you always tell us we have to do scary things? Next thing you know, six weeks later, I'm on the stage giving the talk. I get invited to give talks. So that people start paying me money. And I'm like, wait a minute. All these people who are on stage making real money have books. I better get me one of them. So I wrote Limitless, which was my last book. And um, I'm I, the book comes out on April 7th. I'm on an airplane on like April 9th. I'm heading back from this keynote that I'm giving, opening for Malala. And I find out that I'm a Washington Post bestseller. Ooh. In that moment, it is three in the morning. I'm on a red eye. I'm sandwiched between two giant linebackers. And whatever part of my brain that normally dictates my humility, I left behind in Vancouver as I'm red eyeing all the way back to Boston. <laughs> and I hear a little voice inside my head go, this thing has legs. This thing has legs. And suddenly I was like, that's amazing. It's exciting. It's so humbling. It's so wonderful that my book even did this thing. And also, what else can I do? I think I want more. And suddenly I had this anxiety and the stress and, and, and this imposter syndrome. And I was like, can I do it? Should I do it? Am I allowed to do it? It was wonderful, but it was kind of hell. It was wonder hell. And I open up my laptop <laughs> having not been able to sleep at all. And I write this long screenable blog post. That's like, they say, if you can name it, you can tame it. And I was like, that's ridiculous. If you can name it, you can claim it. And I'm going to claim it right now. The space I'm in right now is wonder hell. And this is where all our dreams can come true. And I wrote this whole long blog post. And a couple of friends were like, that's a good word. You should buy that URL. And my publisher of Limitless said, not for nothing, but that would make a great name of your next book. <laughs> so the next nine months, I'm busy pushing Limitless, pushing Limitless, doing the whole like book launch thing. And then the pandemic happens. The pandemic happens. I start going live to my community every day at 10 a.m., just like doing like 20 minutes live. Like we all got this. We got this. We got this all in it together. And then I got sick of my own voice. So I started inviting my other friends, authors, you know, speakers, people I met in the green room at these interesting events. And I did invite Malala. I had never heard back from her, but I did invite yeah. lots of people. And I started talking about these moments in their lives when everything changed. And thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, for creating Facebook. About four months into it, I get a Facebook memory of this post about oh, Wonder wow. Hell. And I was like, wait a minute. Every conversation I've had is actually about that moment. Yeah. So Wonder Hell was born because I myself 
was in wonder hell. And then I spent the pandemic trying to find my way out of it only to realize that there were themes and lessons that we could learn from all the people that I talked to. So I wrote wonder hell. <laughs> That's wow. How came about. <laughs> so you're like the ink's barely dry on book one and you're already starting with wonder hell without knowing it. <laughs> you know, people always say like you write the book that you needed. And I did because when I found myself in this moment, I joke around that I'm like, I crushed it and I leaned in and I 10X'd and I stopped apologizing and I washed my face. And if you can name a self-help tome, I read it and it didn't work. And mostly it was because it, it all of these books have this idea that if you just like grind hard enough and you like clench your butt enough and you just like you know crunch into this like fight or flight moment it's all going to be fine when you get to the end and what i realized was that there's no end point there's just a waypoint to what else we can do and like i realized that this definition of success that was handed to us is like success is a finite destination is nonsense and so yeah i wrote the book that i needed you know one theme i heard in there was this imposter feeling right and and it's interesting i had a an experience recently where, you know, somebody really cool is really interested in a project that I'm working on on the side. And I had a great conversation with this person. And as soon as I hung up, I was just like, this is gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What am I gonna do? How am I ever gonna keep this person's interest? Like, or like, and what am I even thinking? Why am I, you know, and it's just like, and it was interesting to me to observe that then. Right. But I think is that, that kind of really... what you're talking about? Because I yeah, I absolutely. had to be like, okay, calm, you know, had to have some self-talk, calm down, breathe. This is a good thing, you know. Yeah. So this is what I learned. I learned that the people that I talked to a hundred different glass ceiling shatters, Olympic medalists, startup unicorns. And I here's what I did. I had the conversations with them during the pandemic. I did them live stream because I just, everyone was creating content. So I am a, an author and a speaker. Like I need to show up with content. So I'm like, I got to create content. I might as well just have conversations with interesting people. But I recorded them all as these live stream videos. And then I um, stripped the audio and I just turned them into podcasts. They were just straight, just like this straight form mm -hmm. conversations, no editing, nothing, just start to finish conversations. And my thinking was, if I do anything with it, wouldn't it be cool that I'll have all this video that I could use to promote the book also? P.S. I still haven't used any of it, but I should probably start like chopping up that stuff yeah, and, it's a good and, idea. and using it. <laughs> right. So my thinking was, when you talk about process, if you're going to be doing the interviews, you might as well record them. You never know what you're going to need. So like just collect all the collateral, collect all the data, collect all the video, collect all the audio. And if you don't do anything with it later, whatever, you can just delete the file but you can't recreate it after the fact. And what was amazing to me is that all these people, I mean, I talked to people who run billion dollar companies. I talked to people who run gold medals. It's like, you, you know, you name it. These are like bold face names. And every single one of them at every age and at every stage had imposter syndrome mm -hmm. in addition to anxiety and doubt and right. uncertainty and fear and also joy and excitement and promise and yes. potential. And what I thought was the most interesting is that instead of seeing these the tsunami of emotions as warning signs, as limitations, they turn them into invitations. And I think as writers, we spend a lot of time in our own head, right? We spend a lot of time. And like, how many writers do you know who edit as they write? Because they're like, that's not good enough. I can keep fixing. I can always, there's always a better word, but there's always a more precise turn always. or phrase, oh, always. Yeah. 
I mean, I go to see book readings sometimes and I just fall madly in love with people's lexicon. I'm like, she's like, God, how are they so smart? Like, it's like they're able to just reach into the back of their brain and pick out a word that I haven't heard in 10 years. And it is exactly the perfect word for the thing that they're trying to say. And I just swoon. And my husband thinks it's hilarious because, you know, we'll see these like old shriveled, like, you know, dudes that are like bald with like, like giant warts on their face. And I'm like, oh, but their brain, their brain is so beautiful. <laughs> but I think as writers, because we edit as we write, we are constantly feeling like imposters because either we're telling someone else's story or we're inventing a story or we're reporting on somebody else's research. And even if we're doing our own research, we're still amalgamating other stories together. So we're constantly in this place of like just being just off to the side. Like we're never main characters in our own stories, which I think I personally think that personally think that that makes the imposter syndrome worse for us writers. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know, because I'm writing a story that is my own story, and and it's I think it's harder in my action mm. for me. Yeah, I, I, well. I much prefer to tell other people's stories, personally. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I feel like an imposter telling someone else's story, because it's like, is it good enough? But then when I try to tell mine, it's like, who's going to care? Right. <laughs> and, yet, and yet, I'll tell you this, in the lead up to launching Wonder Hell, every day for a week, I shared a story from the book. Mm. Some story of somebody who like woke up in a in a dumpster with you know you know cancer in his spine and then became the first black man in America with a liquor license like to be able to distill liquor or somebody who um you know uh, somebody who 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 launched a two billion dollar investment platform by women for women like, like these crazy stories and a couple of them were mine and the ones that I shared that were mine were by far the ones that got the most traction the most mm-hmm. responses the most shares I mean. People want to hear our stories. Yeah. Yeah. And when people are already following you, they really want to know about you. Yes. And, and the more know, vulnerable something... the story, the better. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And this is why I tell my expert authors who are writing books as experts, you've got to put your own life story in here. You've got to share about things you've overcome and challenges you faced and pl- times you failed. Because not only is it it makes a better book because it it's more instructive. People learn from great stories, but it helps you connect with your reader in a, in mm-hmm. a much more profound way. I think there's a really fine line between being inspirational and relatable. And I think being able to like walk down the middle of that line is where, mm. at least for me, mm-hmm. I, I try to be as much as possible. And, you know, that means when I'm telling the story about wonder hell that the the origination of wonder hell and the beginning of wonder hell i talk about how i was at this event and i was speaking and then i had to fly home because you know the event was friday night and my goddaughter's bought mitzvah was um saturday morning and i couldn't miss either one and i was caught in between you know this great success professionally and this great um responsibility personally but i don't say and there i was taking a selfie with malala because you know yes <laughs> then it's not relatable, right? Exactly. But like, if you tell the story in a way that's like, oh yeah, I've been stuck between these two things too. Like, I get it. Yes. So, you know, and and a lot of that comes from um, having readers. I mean, just having people read the early drafts of the book and say mm-hmm. like, I felt like you were sitting on the couch talking to me here or like, wow, good for you. Totally unrelatable to me, but like, yeah. rock on, <laughs> right? Carry on. So you gotta, get that, you gotta get that feedback. That feedback is so key. Yeah, so key. And I think that's also, but that's the sweet spot, right? When the reader feels like they're sitting on the couch with you and that you're talking with them 
not at them. The best compliments I ever get from people reading my stuff, my newsletters, my blog posts, my books, my even even hearing me keynote is when they say, I feel like you were talking just to me. Mm, I feel like you wrote this just for me. I feel like you were sitting on the couch talking to me. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. That's what you want. That's what you want. Or another one is, I I just feel like you're in my head. Like, you know, everything I'm thinking. Yes. Because I got, I got a um, writing, right. Is is answering the questions. I I didn't even know I had, you know, (laughs) I love that. I actually got an Amazon review last night that said like, I stayed on the bike at the gym for an extra 10 miles just so I could finish because nobody has ever explained myself to me better than you just did in this book. And I was like, oh my God. I know that there's a one-star review coming like any minute now. <laughs> I know there are plenty of them. Like, I don't remember any of the five-star reviews from Limitless, but I could tell you exactly word for word all oh, of the wow. one-star reviews and what they said, because that's what we do as authors. We right. punish ourselves nonstop. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's funny, but this one-star review said that I think I'm funnier than I am. So <laughs> oh, well, I think it's, I can I tell think you exactly, too, uh... but I know it's coming, but I, I just like, I'm going to print that five-star review out and like hang it on my wall so that when that happens, I can be like, okay, there are people who are my people and there are people who are not my people. And I just need to keep writing for my people. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do. Yeah. And I think sometimes writing for your people is actually going to actively turn off people who aren't your people, which is it, which is ideal <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Honestly, like, so when, when, like, right before I submitted my manuscript, there was like a handful of people who I sent the book to, like my like ultimate last readers. And one of them was a woman by the name of uh, Tasha Yurik, Dr. Tasha Yurik. She's an organizational psychologist and I mean, one of the top business thinkers in the world. And she, um, she went through the entire, she printed the whole thing out. First of all, it's like 200 pages. She printed it out and then went through with a red pen and circled things. And it was like peak LGO, peak LGO. She was like underlining. There were some parts where she was like, this is motivational banter. Like, I, I, where's the science behind it? Like, I need you to slip in a study here. Like, I, she didn't let me get away with any, like, motivational palaver. But there were moments where she was like, peak LGO. And there was another guy, and, and, I'll, and I'll name him, um, David Berkus, Dr. David Berkus, who's also an organizational psychologist. But David is, he's a dear, dear friend of mine. But he's an evangelical Christian business professor in Oklahoma. He is a millennial. I'm a New York Jew who lives in Boston. I'm a Gen Xer. Like we are very different humans. We are very, very dear friends though. And even though he is deeply red, I'm deeply blue. Like we are, we, we, we tease each other all the time. We get along very well. And he went through the manuscript after also. And I will tell you that all the parts that he were like, yeah, I don't get this. And this doesn't speak to me. And really, question mark, were exactly the same parts where Tasha was like, peak LGO. And honestly, the fact that he picked up on the parts that were peak me as the parts that he liked the least told me that I was in fact on the right track because she is my audience. He is not my audience. Right. So I love that story. I think it's really important. Yeah, it's so important. And it's it's such an important illustration because if you're if you are trying to write to everybody, you're writing to nobody. Yeah. You're not writing to anybody. Yeah. So yeah. And it, and here's Beautiful. the other thing about it. You know, I, I gave a um a TEDx, another TEDx, 
on Wonder Hell in Reno, which has had like 1.2 million viewers at this point. And like it's it was sort of proof of concept for the idea. The reason I did that talk was because David Burkus is very good friends with the organizer of TEDx Reno and said, you need to have Laura on your stage. And David told Brett, the organizer, about my idea. And Brett said, I love that idea. She should she should open the show. So oh, wow. David calls me up and he was like, are you ready? And I'm like, no, I can't talk about this idea in 12 minutes. It's not even fully, fully formed well enough on my head yet. And he's like, well, you got three months because that's when TEDx Reno is. And and you're doing it. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll call him. Maybe I'll apply. And he's like, no, 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 there's no application. You're in, you're doing it. You need to figure out your thing. So even though this, this, even though my writing isn't for him, he still like rocked the idea. He still mm-hmm. got it. But the way that I decided to manifest it, not as here are some leadership studies about this idea of this moment, but in this sort of motivational self-help personal development type writing, uh, it, it took me a while. Like when Limitless came out, I thought I wrote a business book. I thought I wrote a business book about how do you create a definition of success that works for you and how do you change your career, your workplace, or yourself in order to do it based on my 20 years of executive search experience. And then when we sent out the press release, the book came out in April also, we sent out the press release the January before the Today Show called and said, that's interesting. We'd like to have her on in the nine o'clock hour, which by the way is the stay-at-home mom hour. And I was like, stay-at-home mom hour. I wrote a business book. And I got on the phone with the producer and he's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't write No, you didn't. Um, and I was like, oh, fascinating. So I really had to figure out what my voice was. Like, is my voice this like business with a little humor and a little moxie? Or is it like moxie and humor with like, here's some supporting business, you know, uh, mm. case studies in there. Like I really had to figure out who I was. And then Wonder Hell, so Limitless is 42,000 words and Wonder Hell is 64,000 words. So it's a third longer. And I was really like talking to the editor and I was like, I don't know, it's too long. I got to take out 20,000 words. And she's like, no, it's your sophomore effort. Like you are really into your voice now. People will expect it to be a heftier thing. Mm -hmm. But that, you want to talk about imposter syndrome, like that whole question of like how do you how do you find your voice and then how do you continue to develop it and change it and build it in you know the 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 sophomore outing challenging Hi there, Robin here. Have you been considering writing a thought leadership book that grows your business? How about writing a quality standout book with a real book publishing deal behind it? that not only grows your business, but also grows your influence and reach. In case you're new to the Author's Corner, my name is Robin Colucci, and I help world-class experts write world-changing books and get them published. With over 30 years in the publishing industry, I've helped clients write and publish books with Big Five and other top publishing houses. Many have gone on to become New York Times, Amazon, and Wall Street Journal, as well as USA Today bestsellers. And others have increased their business income by 600 times or more as a result of their book being out in the world and the partnering work that they did with me and my team. If you are a top-notch expert who is ready to write your world-changing book, go ahead and book a free consultation call with my team today. We have a limited number of spots available, and we only take clients who are committed to the process and want to get their book started now. If that sounds like you, go to www. 
www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Go ahead and fill out the application form to be considered for one of our exclusive spots. Again, the link is www.robincolucci.com forward slash application. Now, back to the show. You know, in, in music, right, the sophomore record is the sophomore slump, right? It's the sophomore slump, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, we all hold our breath for uh, hoping that, that somebody uh, makes a good second album. But, um, you know, tell us more about your experience of, of going from having a successful book one and developing the second book and then launching even. So, I mean, there's, there's yeah. that too. So, so as I was writing it, I actually listened to, I don't know if it's like a podcast or it was just like an audio series uh, called This is Green Day and it's about Green Day. And I think it was on like Apple Music and it was all about the creation of, of their sophomore album and how they got into the studio and they were like, we know that this is going to be big. We know we have it in us to make this thing a thing this thing has legs, right? Like that whole feeling. And they said the pressure that they had on them to make sure that it was good enough, not just to be the sophomore album and not so bad it was a sophomore slump, but they like, they wanted this to put them on the map. They were already famous, but like put them on the map at like, uh, they are like Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, the Rolling oh, wow. Stones. Like yeah. they wanted really to be like, the they, yeah. they wanted it to, def they wanted to define their genre with this and, and history will show that they did. Right. But yeah. the, 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 all of the interviews, it's Billy Joe Armstrong, the, um, the, the lead singer, and it's him talking about the process and him talking about just the absolute unrelenting commitment to quality at every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Now I will tell you that Limitless came out in 2019. 2020 into 2022, uh, 2021, yeah. the pandemic. In 2021, I got so sick uh, with a very, very rare autoimmune disease that I almost didn't see 2022. Like it was, oh my goodness. there was a moment yeah. where I've like, I was literally making lists in my head of the videos I should make for my children, for my husband to show them on like the big moments that I wasn't going to be there for graduation, wow. marriage, first children. Like it was, it was bad, but uh, I did two things during 2021. The first was I trained for the Boston Marathon because I was like, I'm either going to be able to run 26 miles or I'm going to be six feet under. And there's really not anything in between. So like IV goes into arm the first day, I sign up for the marathon and I'm like, let's see what happens eight months from now. Like, who knows? Wow. Uh, and I did, by the way, I'm fine now. I should say to anybody listening, I'm in remission. Everything is good. I ran the marathon. Wonderful. Wow. The awesome. second thing I did is I committed to writing this book because in my head, I knew that the only way I was going to survive given that I had good enough medical treatment, it was, it was, was if I could cling to the identity that I had as an individual, as an athlete, and as a writer. I needed to cling to that for my mental health to get me through 10 months of chemotherapy infusions and all of that stuff. So the, the acknowledgement section of Wonder Health starts off by saying that in 2021, I wrote 85,000 of the worst words you will ever read in your life. <laughs> but it is a community that I do not even deserve to have that helped me whittle this down to the, what I hope are a much tighter, much better, and much more entertaining 64,000 words you have in your hands right now. Right. So, <laughs> I, so I wrote Limitless in six weeks. 
It took oh. me 20 years and six weeks to come up with it, but I wrote right, it right. in six weeks because <laughs> I kind of knew. I But yeah. starting from scratch mm. with Wonder Hell, I wasn't writing it based on 20 years. I was writing it on like 20 months of research. So I tend to be a very fast writer. I write in very final form, but I'm the kind of writer who like, I circle the house. I walk around and I look in the living room and I see what they're watching on TV. And then I look in the kitchen window and I see what they're having for dinner. And I look in the bedroom and I see what you know kind of kinks they're up to. And when I find the front door, which is like the hook or the story or the joke or the lens or the whatever it is, I can like bust in like thing one and thing two. And I know where everything is in the house and boom, everything comes out. And like I said, final, fair, you know, fairly final form. That's what I did with Limitless. With Wonder Hell, I wrote garbage for a year. And then I had to rewrite this like steaming hunk of terrible, awful stuff, which made the process so much harder because for me, it's harder to rewrite than it is to write from scratch. And so the process of going through the 12 minute TEDx, like get the idea into a like, ba-boom, 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 go. That was really the thing that changed everything because that became like the 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 skeleton on which I then hung, you know, all the different parts of of, of the book. Yeah, fascinating. And isn't it interesting how the two different books required two totally different processes? Completely different processes. And I'm not even sure if I wasn't so sick in 2021, how I would have written Wonder Hell because it just... I think I needed to go through what I had to go through in order for it to be what it was going to be. And, you know, I, I was having a long conversation with Amy Cuddy, author of Presence and, you know, 60 million TEDx, you know, view, TED, TED views and all that. And, you know, there are a lot of people who write every day, like the Julia Cameron morning pages. I'm not an everyday writer. And she's like, neither am I. She's like, I don't write every day, but I think about writing every yes. day. Like not think about like, oh, I should write, but I, she's like, in my brain, I'm like, I'm playing with words and I'm playing with phrases. I'm thinking through stories. She goes, I think about it every time so that when I sit down, I can write. Mm -hmm. But I think everybody's very different. And I'm so admiring of people who can like shitty first draft and then make that into something because the excavating gold from this steaming pile of garbage that I had, right. I mean, that, that almost killed me a second time. <laughs> God, I mean, God love the editors, you know, like I, I, when, I when I picked up the 85,000 words in May of 2022, yeah, in May, I read it from start to finish and I, and I, I sent my editor back an email and I was like, I don't understand why you edited these 85,000 words. Like you, why didn't you get like halfway through the first page and just send me back an email with one word? No. <laughs> it was just like, like there are not even complete sentences, let alone complete ideas in there. And she's like, well, some authors have to go through this part of the process. And I was like, who are they? Because that's, I need to send them flowers. Like, it just sounds so hard. It sounds so hard. Yeah. Well, it sounds, I, I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but it sounds kind of like a Wonder Hell moment right there. Just even writing Wonder <laughs> Hell. Yeah, I mean that's the great irony about it is that I feel like I've been in Wonder Hell at every step of the process. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm 
you know, somebody asked me last week, like, how's book launch going? And I'm like, I'm in wonder hell about wonder hell. Like it's so hard and I'm so sick and I'm so tired and I'm just, but it's, I can't believe anybody wants to talk to me about this for even 14 seconds. And oh my God, an order just came in for 300 books and wow. And it just, uh, you know, the joy and the anxiety and the excitement and the fear and the promise and the uncertainty and all of it. And like tsunami coming at you every all day, every day. It's it's wonder hell, but I, that's the conceit of wonder hell though, right? Is that we're all in wonder hell all the time. All the like time. this phone call <laughs> you just had, but this, this amazing person every day to me, <laughs> it's a very, but, but aren't we lucky to be able to be in that space? Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, if you don't have any fire, you know, you don't change or you don't grow. Well, that's, you know, it's really funny. So I, I was on um, Good Morning America on Thursday morning. And the way that, you know, these live TV things work is that they're pretty, they're pretty scripted. But at the end of it, you know, you're so you're, you go for like, I don't know, maybe 16 hours back and forth with the producers, like putting together the segments and the props and who's going to stand where and who's going to ask what question. And then right before you walk out on stage, they go like, okay, and don't remember, don't, don't, don't forget. It's live TV. And Robin Roberts, she, she might just ask you whatever she wants to ask you. So good luck. And you're just like, okay, four million people. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we're up on stage and at the very end, she 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 just go, she goes off script and she's like, so like bottom line for us, Laura, like what is the one thing you want people to take away? And I was just like, uh wonder hell only presents itself to people who are worthy of it. Like if you see, if you can't see that, that potential, that, that promise of who you can be, maybe you are at the end of what you can become. But I think for the most of us, there's always that, like, there's always something else, something new, a new adventure, a new exploration. And that's really exciting to me. Yeah. It's what makes life worth living, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I keep thinking of this, and and so I'm just going to ask it, because if you had to write the urban dictionary definition of Wonder Hell, what would you say? Wonder Hell is the space between who you were yesterday and who you just realized that you can become tomorrow. Ah, gorgeous. I love that. <laughs> I can tell this is not a unique question then. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it is too good. It was the opening line in Good Morning America, so I practiced it a lot of times because I knew Robert was, was going to ask me. I, see, I, don't watch, I don't watch network TV, so I'm completely out of the loop on these things. I mean, it was, it was, it was. Yeah, I will send you the link. It's actually kind of insane. They built oh. an entire set for the the launch. I, I think. Oh, how fun! <laughs> So I got to, I got there at like 5.55 a.m. Like you go, like you have to do rehearsal hair and makeup, all this stuff. And I walked out on set and I'm wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and my hair is like up in a ponytail on top of my head. And I see the set that they built and I, and I was just like, oh, great. It looks terrific. And then I went to the dressing room and I was like fanning my armpits, like trying to stop them from my Niagara falling into my blouse. And I was just like, you know, labor breathing, trying to keep myself calm. I was like, talk about imposter syndrome. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to vomit on Robin Roberts and live television. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. It's wonder hell. It's, it's wonder hell. But it's exciting. I, I mean, it is exciting. I, I, it's, exciting. it's such a great word. I just have a feeling. Uh, you know, you know, Valerie uh, Freeland, she's no. a linguist. <laughs> no, I shouldn't. Anyway, her. she's got a great book that just came out. And of course, the title is Escaping Mid. It's something like, anyway, I'll, I'll have to, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, I bought it. I just haven't gotten it yet. But, but yeah, she writes about words and how they make their way into our general lexicon. Oh, I mean, I, I want, 
wonder hell to be like in the in, in Webster's. Like I want it to be in the dictionary. One of the things I think is really cool is that there are people who have reached out to me even before the book came out, who knew about the idea of the book or who, you know, were some of the millions of people who watched this TEDx and they will just use wonder hell in conversation with me. And it's like, that's so cool. Like my last book, Limitless was around this idea of consonants, alignment, flow, and what you do matches who you are. Not a lot of people use consonants to me in general yes, conversation, right. but wonder <laughs> hell, let me tell you, and and it, what's funny is that Limitless was originally going to be called Consonance, doing work that matters, until a friend of mine was like, Laura, as your dear friend, I cannot let you name a book with a word that nobody knows what it means. Right. Because <laughs> nobody will buy a book that the cover makes them feel stupid. So, <laughs> but Wonder Hell he approved of. Wonder Hell it was okay. <laughs> Couldn't use Consonance, but Wonder Hell. Awesome. Yeah, I think that yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. And yes. and Wonderhell does, you know, it, it it's very sticky and it does just kind of roll right off the tongue like you and and yes. there's so many applications to it because yes. it really shows up in any any and every aspect of life, really. It does. It does. And you can have Wonder Hell at home, at work, anywhere. It's funny. On GMA, Robin at the end was like, Wonder Hell, Wonder Hell. Laura, I can't believe, you know, she's just like, you know, I love you. I love your writing. Like, I can't believe you're getting me to, to swear. She goes, oh, my, my, my poor, my poor dead mother. And I was like, she's like, I'm going to call it Wonder Heck. Wonder Heck. So, <laughs> all these people were texting me like, Wonder Heck. I thought that was pretty cute. Well, it's better than, you know, Wonder H asterisk LL. Right, 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 right. We don't need I mean, a whole I know other, We don't need a whole other uh, trend of that kind of a book. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know there's been a there was there was a whole trend of like you know the f word on covers. Exactly. And, yeah. I'm just I'm just owning it. I mean, I think it's really interesting. I, I I'll see if I if I don't get hired by you know like the MLM network marketing space to give keynotes because you know <laughs> he double hockey sticks or you know we'll see. <laughs> Got to, got to, you got to draw a line somewhere. So absolutely. Well, you know, like we said, you're you're writing to your tribe. Exactly. And not, you're not writing to everybody. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Wonderful. All right. Now, this we've just about used up our time today. So I'm going to go ahead and move to our to my signature final question, which is, what have I not asked you today, Laura, that you would love to answer? Oh. Gosh. Um, well, this is uh this is a podcast for authors. And I would say probably a question about how do you determine who your audience actually is? Mm, great. Would be the one that I would ask. Because I mean, I talked a little bit about like I thought I was a business author, but really I was personal development. And then there was like Tasha's feedback versus David's feedback. And at the end of the day, I was having a conversation with my husband about this. And I was like, well, I want to be taken seriously. And I want to be like Thinkers 50. And I want to, you know, all these PhD, like smart people. Like I've run businesses. I'm an entrepreneur. Like none of them have run businesses. Why are they business authors? And he was like, do you really want to spend the rest of your life giving like business talks? I was like, no, I don't. And so he asked me, where do I feel like I come alive? Who do I feel like I come alive talking to? And I was like, oh, well, like, I love just getting on stage and like, 
telling funny stories about people about how when they came alive and not like mm. here's what studies show about these statistics and those statistics and i can have like statistics flashing behind me on stage so like people know that there's actually heft behind what i'm doing but that question of like when do you really feel like you're coming alive when do you feel like you don't have to censor yourself when mm. you can be fully and 100 percent who you are because i think if you do that your audience finds you i love that that is so true and on point and and how wonderful of your husband to ask you that i mean what a what a powerful question too it was a good question sometimes he's a smart dude most of the time he's a smart <laughs> dude actually i actually married him because he's the smartest dude i ever met so there you, you know mad <laughs> props well, he to proved him. it with that right <laughs> yes well laura this has been so insightful and informative and inspiring and um, it's just been a delight having you. So thank you again for being with us on The Author's Corner. Well, thank you for having me. It's such a delight to talk with writers about writing. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of The Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.